I'll never forget. There was a time when we were dating and I was like snuggled up with her father on the couch from watching a movie and she was sitting like on the other end. And I got up to like use the restroom or something and I came back and she was in my spot. Like, like the flash girl. Yes. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hey, David. Hey, David. No, I can't, I can't start it with, hey, David. No. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Working. I, I honestly feel like we, you and I have been doing so much work. We have like passed each other, literally passed each other in the house. Yes, that is true. Yeah. And it's not looking like it's going to slow down any either, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is an issue that couples often run into where they're busy. Maybe they're focusing on their kids or they're focusing on their work or whatever. And, you know, after a while, you just kind of go, wow, I really haven't even spoken to my spouse or my significant other. Like roommates. Yeah. And if you're not careful, you can turn into a habit. Yes. So. So um, we're going to get off here right now and go sit on the couch and hold hands. Are we? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> Ooh, that was a close one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you and I are fortunate in that we both kind of have that that need to kind of do our own thing and we respect each other's need to do that. Yep. So it um it makes things easier. It's harder when you got one person that's like, I need my space, and the other person's like, I need you to be right there with me all the time. <laughs> that's true. That's tough. I guess you've been through that. Nope. Nobody's ever, <laughs> nobody's ever wanted me there all the time. That's why I push <laughs> buttons to make sure I get my space. <laughs> David, David, David. <laughs> why are you shaking your head at me? <laughs> I just don't know what to think about the button pushing. Well, you know, you posted something. Well, actually, somebody posted something on Facebook the other day about their significant other button pushing. And I think I am starting a movement. I think there's enough people out there that want to step out and identify as being the button pushers. No, I think that there's a lot of people out there that need help Mm-mm. because their significant others are button pushers. <laughs> no, because you can't fix the problem when you're dealing with the people that just have to deal with it. Well, you're not going to change. There's obviously. nothing for me to change. It's I'm perfect. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> You should not have talked to Branson before we recorded this. <laughs> I will admit that part of my personality did spill over into him. <laughs> but it spilled over into Ethan, too. <laughs> yeah, it's serving well. Yeah. Branson's like, you know, I'm the perfect one. I'm the perfect <laughs> child. And so David reminded him of some things when he was younger. And Branson's like, well, I finally got there. I'm perfect now. I'm <laughs> perfect now. Yeah. Until you turn... 30 and then you look back and go wow i was so dumb and then then when you turn 40 you look back at what you were at 30 and like oh i was so dumb back then. <laughs> it's like every decade you look back at yourself and go man i'm surprised i'm still here <laughs> i think that every day i do two of you that's it's amazing you've made it this far why you say that because all the crazy decisions you've made in life that's what huh before you met me, I don't know. You were spiraling out of control. You are full of crap. <laughs> you were just one train wreck after another. David, <laughs> you, 
you're getting me confused with your many other exes. <laughs> My many other exes? Uh-huh. No. There was only one ex. No, there's a bunch of exes. He's the X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about our guest today. All right. Her name is Mary Lynn, and she is from the Suburban Urban Mom. Okay. She has a YouTube video channel thingy. <laughs> yes, yeah, called a YouTube channel. Yeah. But try to say Suburban Urban Mom. I know. When you said it, I was like, wait a minute. Did you mess up? Nope. <laughs> suburban Urban Mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. She has been blending for seven years. All right. They have stepdaughter 17 full-time. She has a bio son that's 16, and they have an hours daughter who is four. Mm. They are also an interracial couple. The hardest part of blending for them has been the high-conflict bio mom manipulating stepdaughter to view the stepmom as the bad guy. Okay. Her best advice, the nacho kids method. Oh, yeah. So I found her basically because... I was made aware of somebody else on a YouTube channel talking about Nacho. And I found her and I'm like, oh, let me listen to this and see how wrong she is. <laughs> and she gets it. Oh, yeah. I, I remember this because I remember you running into me going, oh, my gosh, this lady actually knows what she's talking about. She gets it. <laughs> I was so excited. And it was great talking to her. I'm probably going to have to have her back on because I don't even think we talked about half of what we wanted to talk about because, you know. I'd get sidetracked kind of easily. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting fact. Mary Lynn's husband still considers bio mom's family his family. Hmm. He's an only child and both his parents are deceased. So BM's family kind of became his family. Yeah, that's that can be a tough thing when you have all these relationships with all these other people in the other family and then you get divorced or you know you don't see this person anymore or whatever. And then you got all these other relationships outside of that that were surrounding that relationship. You got to maneuver that. And um, like, I know you still from time to time have contact with some of your ex-in-laws. And um, I don't think I have, I mean, every so often I might hear from one, but for the most part, you know, I just kind of cut, cut all ties. It was just too, um, (laughs) too much drama going on around all that. So. Yeah, I'm th- I was thinking, I was like, well, which exes do I still talk to their family? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, probably a lot. All of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Majority of them. <laughs> and, of course, it is kind of an awkward situation when you're hanging around with your significant other's ex's family. Mm-hmm. So, Mary Lynn had to set some boundaries with that. Oh, well, yeah, I wouldn't like it. Was it you get to? I would think you kind of feel, at least for me, I would kind of feel like, okay, if you enjoy being around their family so much, it's not a big step to take to just say, well, why not go back to having that relationship? That would be my fear. Really? Yeah. Like I would think if you were, if you were hanging out with your ex's family a lot and you enjoy that a lot, that, you know, you may start thinking, well, um, you know, I enjoy them and I enjoy their company and all this. And, then you kind of maybe start regretting that you're not part of that family anymore. And, and that could lead back to uh, reunification. <laughs> well, I, I guess I don't look at it like that. I look at it as you meet people in life that you bond with and that you care about. And just because the immediate relationship didn't work, doesn't mean that the other relationships that were 
created during that time have to be severed. Right. You you look at the relationships as all independent. Yes. Whereas I look at them, I won't say I look at them always like this, but I think a lot of people look at them as if they're kind of a package deal, you know? So if I divorce you, then I divorce your whole family. <laughs> well, you know, to a degree, when you think about it, you, I mean, I'm sure you said this to people I have, like, look, I've told people, look, when you marry them, you marry their entire family because it all comes with it. All their baggage, all their family issues, all that mess comes with it. I don't mean that you marry them. Therefore, you have to treat them the same. I don't mean it that way. I just mean whatever, whatever they stuff they're dragging along behind them, it becomes part of your relationship, like it or not. Okay. <laughs> you disagree with that? Or you have a different viewpoint? Maybe that's a better I'm thinking way to... we probably shouldn't talk about my family. Oh, actually, I wasn't thinking about your family, but you know, <laughs> I was thinking about my ex's family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, your family, they don't, they're not involved enough to be a problem. Like really, they're not an issue at all for us. You don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you talking like that? (laughs) I don't have a problem with most of your family. (laughs) (laughs) There's only some that I, that grate my nerves. Considering there's only five, six of them. (laughs) Well, I like four of them. <laughs> no, I think that's pushing it. Okay, you're right. You I, might like two. I, I like one of them. My daddy. <laughs> he makes me mad too. Okay. He, he doesn't make me mad. He makes me mad because I wish he would not let people take advantage of him. Yeah. He's too nice. That's what makes me mad about your daddy. He's too nice. <laughs> daddy, if you listen to this, we love you. <laughs> I love you. Yep. We love you from a distance. No. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> you got a lot of explaining to do, Lucy. <laughs> my daddy ain't going to listen to this mess. <laughs> the rest of your family going to call and say, why is David not like me? I'll be like, what makes you think he was talking about you? Don't call her. Ask me. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> well, I like a few people in your family. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like more than I do then. Yep. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad, and I, and I don't care all at the same time. <laughs> no, you have to admit it's easier when we can tolerate each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate boundaries. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've talked about that before, that your mom helped you a lot when you got divorced. Mm-hmm. So when I came into the picture and we got married, it was almost like she was pushed away. Yep. And I didn't view it that way. I viewed it as you need to mind your own. Don't come busting up in here moving my silverware. But we never had silverware. <laughs> huh? So we ain't never owned silverware. That's what you call knives and forks. Flatware. I call it silverware. I know you do. <laughs> Okay, so it's silver in color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but at the time, I didn't even think that she may be feeling pushed out or shunned or whatever. You know, it's like almost like her purpose was gone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about that until years later because I really didn't care. That sounds horrible. Well, I think you had. 
you kind of had your own issues happening potentially, but it's also, you have so many other things you're focusing on. And I think, well, she was part of my issues, <laughs> but oftentimes that's what happens with people is you focusing on what you're dealing with and you don't even give consideration to what somebody else may be dealing with. And you and I have both found it very helpful to really step back and think, what could this other person be dealing with? And is there some way we can either help them with that or reframe that? And, and oftentimes that is super helpful because you might go, you know what? They're going through a lot more than I am. And I'm just adding to their issue or I can do this thing over here to kind of help relieve that and not be so stressful. Yeah. I read something on Facebook today and it said, many people know that little Johnny flunked all his classes his senior year and flunked even gym and ended up quitting school. And then it said, but nobody knew his brother died from cancer his first week of school or something like that. Mm -hmm. So no, we never know what somebody else is going through unless number one, they take the time to share it with us. And number two, we listen. Yep. Sometimes you just have to take the time to look. Oftentimes people are telling you what their issues are or that they have something. We're just not listening. And when I say listening, I don't necessarily mean listening with our ears. Sometimes it's listening by paying attention and looking at what's happening. Well, yeah, I mean, you can look at their body language. You can look at their actions. Well, used to, you know, you go through McDonald's and they are usually not the friendliest people in the world. <laughs> and they take your card or your money and then just hand you whatever back. And they don't say a word. You'd be like, have a nice day. Thank you for visiting McDonald's. And I still do that sometimes. But <laughs> now I think they must be having a bad day. They work at McDonald's. So some people are actually really nice. Yeah, there are a few. And when they when I run across those people, I'm like, you need to go apply at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you need to work, girl. <laughs> Don't you let McDonald's bring you down. You rise above the evil. And then people at Chick-fil-A, you know, they probably have people come through the line there and they're like, what are you so happy about? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one day you and I went through there. Or we went somewhere and I was grumpy and the person said something like, okay, you have a great day now or something. And I'm like, oh my God, you are too happy. <laughs> Leave people alone, let them be happy and make others happy. That's some people's purpose in life. Yeah, um, but I think it was because it was like fake happy. It was too happy. You expected rainbows to be shooting out of her mouth or something when she talked. Well, maybe she used to work at Disney on the It's a Small World ride. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> All right, David, let's stop talking. All right, finally. Let's get on. And what do you mean, finally? <laughs> you tell we haven't talked to each other all week. It's the only time you got a chance to talk to me. <laughs> and I'm done. All right. Very good. So. Let's listen to a word about the Academy, and then we'll let somebody else do some talking. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. 
Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have Mary Lynn with the Suburban Urban Mom podcast. How are you, Mary Lynn? I'm good. How are you, Lori? Good. Well, tell us a little bit about your blend before we talk about your podcast. My husband and I have two teenagers, a 17-year-old girl that was his daughter from a previous relationship. I have a 16-year-old son, soon to be 17 years old from a previous relationship. And then we have an hours baby that is four years old. And we are seven years into our blended family. And we're also an interracial blended family. So we have a lot of different components that we're battling, um, including dealing with the biological parents that just aren't the best, (laughs) if that makes sense. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, hindsight, girl, hindsight. Yes, always 2020. (laughs) But we would never change anything because we still love our babies. Love the babies would, you know, if I could do it all over again, I would still do it exactly the same because we absolutely love our kids. Every parent believes they got the greatest kids on the earth Mm -hmm. and I'm no different. (laughs) That's right. And of course they got our good genes. Of course. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is the visitation schedule with the stepdaughter? How often do you have her? So my husband has actually had not legal custody, but a sort of custody of her since she was maybe four or five months old. Her mother has battled um, with substance abuse problems. And so her mother would see her kind of off and on throughout the years. There's no set schedule, Mm -hmm. just whenever, whenever it was convenient for her. And in the recent years, after my husband and I actually, you know, started dating and everything, I told him he needed to kind of make it more official because there were so many threats of, you know, I will come take her, even though she's been solely with her father. She's my daughter. She's my daughter. You have no right to do or say or anything. So we actually, after a five-year battle, just got custody officially last year and she's 17. (laughs) So it almost seems futile at this point, but it was a five years long battle and the courts really gave her biological mother chance after chance after chance to kind of, you know, just get her stuff together. And she never did. So what we do is, uh, and, and according to the custody agreement, my husband can let or not let her see her mother at any time. And during any of the visitations that he chooses, he can also enforce drug screening and alcohol screening for her. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. How long has it been since your stepdaughter saw her? Um, we actually let her see her maybe about a month ago. Okay. Did that go well or did a stepdaughter come back with, you know, the attitude? So in the recent years, maybe in the last two years, my stepdaughter and I have had an incredible Incredibly, we have like literally turned the corner and where she does not do that anymore. She actually comes back now and kind of gets why we were hesitant initially for to let her to spend um, time with her mom. Mm-hmm. And she also can spot now that the conversations with her mother are always about us. They're never about their relationship. They're never about her, what's going on in her life. It's always about us, what we're doing or not doing. Right. So it makes her uncomfortable. It definitely makes her uncomfortable. She's aware of it. But of course, it's still her mother and she still loves her. 
So she doesn't, she's out of the stage to where she defends it. She just kind of acknowledges it and is more like, it is what it is yeah. kind of thing. So does she even want to go see her mom? She does. Okay. Um, she does want to see her. She doesn't ask on her own. She never initiates it. But if her mother asks, she will say, well, can I go? And a lot of it is honestly because of COVID and being shut down. It's like, okay, I just want to get out of the house and do something. <laughs> so I'll go see my mom, I guess. <laughs> right, right. But earlier, at the very beginning of COVID, her mother had suggested that she come to visit her. And we didn't want her to because obviously this was so new. We just didn't want to take any risk. And it's not like they've had this visitation. At this point, she hadn't seen her mother in over a year. So it just didn't seem like the right time to try to start up a visitation, which essentially in my eyes, is just like going to visit a stranger, right? you know? And we personally believe that her mother picks the most inopportune moments to do this, to make us look like the bad guy. So of course, if we're saying, no, this isn't, this isn't the right time, her mother in turn would tell her, well, see, they're trying to keep you from me and I'm trying to be a mom. And and it's like, you waited an entire year and then you asked for her during a pandemic. So we did in, eventually uh, let her go. And no, I'm sorry. We didn't let her go. We did not let her go. Okay. We gave her the option. We gave my stepdaughter the option to, if you went, you would have to stay there for 14 days to quarantine. And what she said was, no, I could not do 14 days there. I just want to go for like a day or two. She's like, I cannot do longer than that at all. And so it was like, oh, I see where this kind of relationship is. Mm -hmm. So you would, you know, if you hadn't seen her in a year, you would think that she'd want to spend as much time as possible. I think she just wants to have the access to her, but she's fully aware that she wants it to be limited access. Right. And she probably doesn't want to tell her mom that she doesn't want to go. Um, She doesn't. And uh, maybe a year or so ago, my stepdaughter broke down crying. We had asked her, why doesn't she communicate her feelings to her mother? Why doesn't she ask her, like, how come you don't, you know, call me or return my calls when I'm calling you um, or call me often enough, rather? Why don't you come to see me? Why don't you initiate um, responsibility for me. And I, we asked her because, you know, our kids hold us to a certain standard and they certainly will express themselves with us mm -hmm. no matter what it is. And we, you know, we encourage that type of relationship with, within our family dynamic. And so we just asked her, how come you don't say that this hurts your feelings or, you know, or this upsets you? And she broke down crying. She said, because I'm scared that if I express myself that she would either hurt herself uh, the the biological mother would hurt herself mm -hmm. or she probably wouldn't want to have a relationship with my stepdaughter anymore. And I felt that that's something very heavy for a teenage girl to carry on her shoulders. Right. Yeah. Th that's a lot for her to carry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is the bio mom remarried or anything? She's not. Um, she's gone through several relationships. So she does have, I believe, three new children and... They were earlier this year removed as well. The same way my, my stepdaughter was when she was a little girl, um, removed by uh, social services for neglect and, you know, whatever else. And um, she did get those children back uh, maybe like midsummer mm -hmm. of this year. And what I 
you know, kind of brought to light to my stepdaughter is even though it's been 17 years from the time that that happened for you, your mom hasn't really learned the lesson. She hasn't really changed or evolved or grown. She's kind of still just the same parent. The only difference is in your case, you had a great dad who just took you and raised you and did it by himself. Whereas unfortunately, those poor little girls, um, her sisters don't have that. So um, they've had to go through the foster care system and, and things of that nature. And it's sad. And, um, and I'm, again, I feel like that's probably something else that my stepdaughter thinks about too. What are they going through? What are, what their experience is going to be like, you know, growing up. And we tell her all the time, like our job here is to provide a stable environment. And a lot of the parenting that comes along with it is just going to be things you don't like. We're not trying to be your friends. So Unfortunately, that gets used to the stepmother. I mean, so, I'm sorry, the biological mother's advantage. Mm-hmm. Where if you're on punishment for doing something wrong here, she can manipulate that situation to saying we're abusive parents, or if we enforce study schedules, or hey, you have to come off this team until you bring your grades up or whatever, because academics are like our number one priority here, and it's always met with resistance, of course, because you have someone else in your ear telling you that this is the wrong type of parenting and where we're trying to raise you to be, you know, a good student, but a good person, a good, you know, just a good human. Right. And, but when you have biological parents who are not really in their children's lives, the way that they should be, then they're not really being the parent. They're trying to come from the the standpoint of just being a friend and just a Peasing, they're they're the Disneyland moms and dads. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want, see, I'm the better parent because I just do whatever seems to make you happy. Right, I'll give in. And so when my stepdaughter was younger, that was a big issue. It was a big issue because anything that we tried to teach or enforce or whatever, she just wanted to reject it. It's, especially if it came from my mouth, mm-hmm. not so much my husband. It's just more so from my mouth. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. How dare you? Who are you to talk to yeah. me? <laughs> I don't know who you think you are because you are not my mama. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've gotten that for sure. I've gotten the, you're not my mother. I've seen the um, text messages between her and her, her mother and her mother would say she's not your mother. Even on, on Mother's Day, my stepdaughter would acknowledge me on Mother's Day her mother would tell, she's not your mother. You don't need to give her anything or it's been pretty crazy. And the, the reason why those type of situations would hurt is because my husband and I were solely raising her, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the typical step parent where, okay, we get you on the weekends or every other weekend and summer vacays or Christmas. It's not like that. You're here 24 seven. I'm the mom in the house completely. So when you're sick at school, the school calls me to pick you up. When you forgot your lunch, I'm the one that comes to bring it to you. When, you know, you're going through all of life's like, you know, the teenage puberty steps, I'm the one who had to teach you and mold you and guide you. That's who it was. Right now we're doing college applications. Your bio mom is not helping you with that or encouraging any of that, by the way. It's me. So it used to feel like a slap in the face if, that I was doing everything that 
a mother should be doing, but I get zero of the credit mm-hmm. for it. And, and not just not getting the credit for it, being discredited. Like, okay, you're not doing anything for me. Right. So it was hurtful. There was definitely a period in time that it was a very hurtful situation. And unfortunately, because kids are kids, it just makes you kind of hate your spouse. <laughs> like, why did you produce this? Like, what? It, why did you even bring me into this situation? Exactly. Yeah. I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned. One being about her siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got to be worried sick about them. So- I do think from time to time she does. One thing that I, I'm concerned about with my stepdaughter is I think that in, in order to maybe survive, she detaches emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I know that she feels it, but she doesn't want to talk about it or she never wants to make it seem like she cares more than she does because she's a tough kid. She's a tough girl. She grew up, you know, just with a dad her whole life. And so she's has more of those um, manly qualities, if you will, mm-hmm. um, which is the lack of emotion. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. And I mean, that's just my husband has like zero emotions. So she tries to suppress those feelings. The oldest sibling, she did have some sort of relationship. She's still a small child, but she knew her. And I think she does care a lot more about that because if she does happen to talk on the phone with her mom and those children get on the phone, I think she feels bad for her. But at the same time, I feel like so much of this has been normalized for her that, again, I feel like it's that, well, it kind of is what it is. I'll pray for them. And then that's it. Right. I am always worried about how deeply she feels things or if not at all. And my concern is if later in life, this will come out, she'll have a breakdown or whatever. I think about these things as a parent, if this will all come to a head, like I can't believe all this crazy drama and whatever happened when I was a child and sure as she gets older, she will have a stronger relationship with those girls. Right. And, and that could change. She may feel more obligated to be a part of their life, to help them out and things of that nature. And again, that's just too much of a burden to have to carry. Does bio mom have her other kids back now? She does. Okay. Um, she does. She did complete a, a drug rehabilitation program and whatever other steps she needed to get custody of them back. So she does have them. She's recently been harassing my husband and I. Um, she's on our usual cycle, you know, every so often throughout the year, she harasses us. And to where she is I don't, I don't know if I can say fighting for custody because that's resolved by the courts and it was resolved in 2017, I believe, 2017, 2018. She actually didn't even know it. So, cause she, she never would show up to court. She would never submit the documents. And so just recently, I, I mean, recently, like maybe a week ago, she messaged us saying, oh, I didn't know. So I'm going to submit everything and, and I'm going to continue to try to get custody. Did y'all respond to her? No. So my husband, after all these years, finally blocked her. What she would do is she would harass him. And then while he's responding, you know how you could see like waiting for a reply or, you know, the three dots or whatever, she would block him so that he could never re- reply. <sighs> and then she'd unblock him whenever she wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. And and so this time he's like, she's not going to have any more control over this. And so he blocked her because he blocked her. She has now reached out to me. I have not communicated with her since 2017. And 
it's kind of funny because I have never even looked back at the old messages and I didn't reply. I didn't respond. She calls, she'll call, 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 just back to back to back. And then she'll play victim and say, why are you guys doing this? And don't you see what you're doing to my daughter? And she's very particular about that. She always says my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not lost on me. I know that's the, her way of trying to say she's not your kid. And, but as she was sending those messages, I just kind of scrolled up and saw all the nasty messages that she had sent me back in 2017. I was like, oh yes, mm-hmm. this is the reason I'm doing this. I don't communicate with you. I tried that. I tried being the bigger person. I tried I had hoped that we could have had a, you know, some people have those blended families where the new step parent and the old bio and, you know, everybody just gets along and sits together at Christmas wearing, you know, (laughs) matching pajamas. (laughs) Yes. It's like, okay, that's definitely not us, but this is an interesting kind of thing. So even though I absolutely do not get along with the bio mom, her family, her entire family, pretty much is who my husband considered as his family. Ah. So for every holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, we spent at her family's house. So it was a very interesting, weird dynamic to get into and being a part of a new relationship. My husband doesn't have any family. Um, He was an only child. His mother and father are both deceased. And it he grew up like in a small town and where her family, her uncle was the football coach, the dean, the, his wife was the school administrator. So it's just, they've all just always known each other, honestly. And, um, but they were just very welcoming to, to me and my, my son when we started dating. And over time, they actually had a greater affinity for us than the biological mom. It actually got to a point where she was no longer welcome and we were always welcome. Wow. So, yeah. But even though they were so incredibly welcoming and loving, it's still uncomfortable. Yeah, it's weird. It's a very weird situation to, because that's still her family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would always try to look at it like, oh, it's my stepdaughter's family. And we were kind of doing this for her to always make sure that she still had that connection to her mom's side. And, and they genuinely loved her. Honestly, they genuinely loved her. So I didn't want to be the person to take that away. Right. But later in life, I did kind of have to set some boundaries and um, it didn't necessarily go over well, but it, it did start being, you know, well, we are a family now and we have to do our holidays together. We have to create the memories because we already started so late, you know, in our lives. I didn't meet you when I should have met you, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and our kids are getting older and I want them to look back and say, you know, we don't say step or whatever in our family, but for the purposes of this, I want you know them to look back and say, oh, my stepmom and stepdad did this for us every Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know, I want it to be our memories and for our hours, baby. And for my biological son, I don't want all of their memories to be with just her family. Right. So I definitely did switch it up, made some compromises and it, it worked out. So do you still see her family? No, the grandma and grandpa actually passed recently. Grandma passed last year and grandpa passed the the year prior. So they were the ones that really hosted everything. And um, so that kind of stopped. We communicate uh, like through social media, like maybe with the aunts and cousins. Mm -hmm. And some of that can be a little challenging too. 
it's a, it's like, you're going to always have someone in the family who's going to take the biological mom's side, no matter what she's doing wrong. Right. You have to have your guard up. Yeah. And even though they're, they're kind of like, maybe you have the one that's going to be the dog that brings a bone, but then also carries a bone. (laughs) Yes. Sliding everybody else's bones along the way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And fortunately for me, if I say it and I put it out there, I'm very well aware of the fact that it can get back to whomever. And I'm okay with that. I may have wanted it to get out how I feel about certain. Exactly. So, but you know, you you have people who think they are like, I I gotcha or gotcha or something, you know. We're like, look here, I am not stupid. If I tell you something, it's because I don't care if you tell anybody else. Care. So, so that's, that's it. And we still, you know, we still encourage um, my stepdaughter to, you know, to have a relationship with them. Now, since grandma and grandpa have died. Now, when you refer to grandma and grandpa, you mean bio mom's parents. They're actually her grandparents. Okay. They're her grandparents. Her mother is deceased. Oh, goodness. Her father is alive. And her father, it took me three years to realize that he was, he was actually the grandpa and not, uh, I don't, I didn't even make the correlation. He doesn't really have a relationship with my stepdaughter. Okay. It's a weird dynamic. So grandma and grand, um, they're great grandma and grandpa. Okay. And they would coordinate things. They would do everything and they just absolutely loved my stepdaughter. I mean, she was just, even though there are other grandkids, it's a huge family. I think because again, my husband was single raising her. He relied on them a lot. And there was a period of time when my uh, husband actually broke his neck. Oh goodness. Diving into a shallow lake. That's a Southern boy for you. And he stayed with them. And so they got to really, that recovery was a long time period. And they got to just have, you know, my stepdaughter, like it was like having their own again. And so just growing up, that was just, that was just their baby. It it really truly was their baby. And they thought extremely highly of your son. I mean, your husband. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So this was the thing that was awesome. And he told me on our first My first time meeting them, I think, was Valentine's Day. And we were dropping my stepdaughter off to uh, for them to babysit. And he told me on the way there, these people mean so much to me. I totally respect and value their opinion. And so basically, however they feel about you is like how I'm going to feel about you. (laughs) He kind (laughs) of like put that out there. And I knew he had like deep feelings for me or whatever, but it was like waiting on that seal of approval because they were kind of like his parents. So right. he didn't really have any. And of course they love me right away. Who wouldn't? And there you go, girl. <laughs> it, was, it was like for him, he was just like so relieved, like, yes, I got that stamp of approval. And when we got married, it was probably one of our like kind of first um serious arguments. And it was about who to invite from that side of the family. And I totally wanted, you know, the grandma, grandpa, or great grandma, great grandpa to come because I feel like those were his parents. They had to be here. Right. And then there was an aunt and uncle that, again, we were just so close with. But what I didn't want was actually the bio mom's dad and her sister. I didn't have the closest relationship with, with them. And my husband didn't have a good relationship at all, all with the dad and a weird relationship with the sister. You know, she's just a strange person. You know, she loves my, my stepdaughter. She loves her um, with the overstepping boundaries, manipulation and things like that. Um, so I just didn't want them at our wedding. And my husband could not understand it. He's like, well, this is, you know, 
or, you know, my stepdaughter's family and I want her, want them to be there. And it's like, but it's not her wedding. When she gets married, we will absolutely invite her entire family. But for our wedding day, we are handpicking the people who mean the most to us in our lives. And I, I didn't even invite some of my own cousins and aunts. And, you know, I wanted it to be an intimate ceremony with the most important people. And I didn't really care whose feelings were hurt because of that. And I don't mean that to say in a cold way, because I'm not a cold person. It's just that this is that one moment where it should just be about us. Right. And it wasn't about the stepdaughter. This is about us. And he didn't really understand it at first. And then ironically, we were at his friend's house watching the Super Bowl or something. And we got we brought it up. And the friend said the exact same thing. Like, well, no, if when it's her wedding, you invite everybody. But for your wedding, you invite who you want to be there. Right. And because it was his friend. Ah, oh, like, like he had the greatest epiphany. Like, oh yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, <laughs> he can't hear words coming out of his wife's mouth, but. <laughs> we need to start paying their friends to tell them yes! the things. Yes. <laughs> to tell them the things that we say. Just repeat yes. it. Yes. That would make, it would just make life so much easier. Cause it's like, I just said that to you. And you looked at me like I was kind of crazy. And I had like snakes coming out of my head, but all of a sudden it, it's total clarity that your friends at it. Right. <laughs> So I guess the dad didn't end up coming to the wedding. No, no. The grandparents came in exactly how I wanted it to be. And the aunt and uncle and the grandparents, we did like a dance with all the couples who were married and whoever had been married the longest would stay on the dance floor. And they actually had been married for like 60 years. Oh my goodness. So they were the longest couple. And I, it was such a special moment. And that's what I wanted. I, I wanted just, you know, a moment of just love and peace and no drama. I didn't want to have one of those weddings where it was drama or this or that. I just wanted it to be perfect. And it was. I, I, I literally look back at my wedding day and say it was the, just literally the most perfect moment ever of, of my life. It was just amazing. Girl, you need to write a blog or have a podcast about that because <laughs> there are very few people that can say that their wedding day was just perfect. I know. I know. For years, I've watched so many shows about that. Like Bridezilla and stuff. Bridezilla, four weddings. And I really was determined like my whole life, like that will not be me. Mm -hmm. This will not. I'm. And if something did go wrong, I had it in the back of my head. I'm not going to panic about this. We're going to roll with it. And, you know, of course you have little hiccups. You know, my, my flower girl didn't show up and nobody noticed. Yeah. I never made a scene about it. I never talked about it. That was it. That was literally the only thing that happened. It rained on my wedding day and stopped right before it was time for me to walk down the aisle. And because I live in sunny Florida, it was dry within minutes. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, those Florida showers. Yeah. That shut down Bush Gardens and you pay $500 to go for yes, 20 minutes. Yeah. And uh, all you have to do is wait it out. That's a tip here. Wait it out. Do not leave. In 30 minutes or less, it's going to stop and it's going to be completely dry. Just keep getting those free smoothies. Get the smoothie, sit down. I was pregnant. I was like seven months pregnant with my son, chaperoning his field trip to Legoland. And I was miserable. I was absolutely just miserable in the heat and the sun and being pregnant. And when it started raining, I was so overjoyed. I mean, the kids were just also, and I'm like, oh, this is so sad. I'm so sorry. But inside, I'm like, thank you. So happy this was shut down. And 
because uh, there was lightning and we have this, I think it's called a 30-30 rule or something, 20-20 rule. It has to be 20 minutes from the last lightning strike uh-huh. before anything can start up again. So even if you're at the 19-minute mark and another one comes, you have to wait another 20 mark, 20 minute mark or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, I think, pushed the day back. And by the time everything stopped, they got to do one more ride and it's time to go home. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so I look forward to the showers, but I know everybody else is like, please don't rain on my vacation. <laughs> yes, we went and hotter than 17 sins. Okay. <laughs> And we get there and we decide that we're going to go on, I guess, like a water ride. Mm-hmm. The line was, it had to be, I'm not exaggerating. It had to be 600 people in that line. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, you're cramped in with all these people and I'm kind of mm-hmm. claustrophobic mm-hmm. and it's hot and people are sweaty and they're touching me. <laughs> my husband's trying to give me as much space as I could. You feel trapped in because yeah. you've gone through this little snaky thing and you keep trying to get where the one fan is blowing just a little bit right. on you so you don't pass out and die in front of all these people. Yes. And we get probably 15 people from the front and they shut it down. Oh, no. And apparently we had one of those days where it would lighten right before that 20-minute mark or 30-minute mark. no. After two hours and I had the highest sugar buzz probably ever (laughs) from drinking those stupid slushy things Mm -hmm. that we finally were like, no. Then you could stay in line and get a ticket for the next day. But my gosh, that line was 200 people. Yeah, we did that before with Animal Kingdom and we left. We took my little one a couple of years ago and it was just thunder and lightning and we hightailed it out of there. And by the time we literally got to the parking lot, it was like nothing had ever happened. But it's such a long like walk back and you're taking the tram and all these things like I'm not going back in the park. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're just done for the day. <laughs> that was it. It's an all day adventure to park the car, ride the tram yeah. up there, get in, yeah. do whatever you have to do and walk 10 minutes to the first ride. Yes, it's a lot. So we were like, no, nope, that's it. <laughs> you know, want to go get some pizza? That was it. <laughs> My son had taken a friend with him and I asked them both. I was like, do y'all want to come back tomorrow? They're like, no. <laughs> yeah. When people are on vacation here and I was, I actually really do feel badly for them when they try to stuff in Disney and Universal and Bush Garden is like, I don't know if you can do all of that. You know, your feet are going to fall off. Yeah. They're just, it's so much walking and standing and you kind of need a break from it. So whenever I have someone coming in from out of town to stay with us so they can do the Disney experience or whatever, Mm -hmm. I usually try to tell them like, just plan Disney World one day. And then the next day, do like a water park, something relaxed, mm-hmm. something like that. What we used to do when I was younger, we would do Disney World. And I mean, we would do Disney and Universal. It, you do want to get it all in. And then we would do a cruise afterwards so that you have that relaxation period. And it was like, you know, my mom would just lay out on deck the whole time. <laughs> <But> <laughs> With her margarita, was, just keep filling me up, girl. Just keep filling yeah, me up. That, that was it. And it was like, because I'm when I literally say your feet feel like they're going to fall off after a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. So needless to say, I don't really like crowds anyway. So mm-hmm. amusement parks are not my favorite place in the world. So mm-hmm. my poor child, you know, that, of course, ruined our whole vacation. If you ask him about that vacation, that's what they remember, because we do remember the bad things more than we do the good. Yes, that's okay. So it's so funny that you said that, because I'm so aware of that, that the bad is what sticks out. Mm -hmm. And 
it's because our mind wants us to remember it so we prevent it from happening again or we don't get hurt by it again. Yep. I think that that is so important. Even my son had kind of hurt my feelings um, maybe last year. He made a comment that I had missed a performance Mm -mm. that he made. And well, A, it didn't happen. (laughs) What the true memory is, is that he didn't see me in the crowd. I was late, but I was there. I did come in late. And this is about a performance he had done in like the third grade. Okay. Oh my gosh. And I had to go back because I am the nutty mom that takes pictures and videos of every single thing my children do. Like every day, it's a camera shoved in your face. So I went back and showed him, see, I have this video of you. You see this picture of us together after the performance? I was there. But what hurt my feelings was that of all the times that I've always been there and I've for everything and I brought up to him how I was seven months pregnant, chaperoning a field trip or at every basketball game or piano lesson, recital, whatever, never missed anything. You focused on this one thing and you were really very upset about it. And that had actually kind of offended me. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like, honestly, we're like, why would you think of the negative versus all the positive things? And I guess that that's just the way that the brain works. We did have a long discussion about it. And of course, you know, and I had to kind of reiterate that mom is always there. I'm always your biggest friend. I'm always your biggest cheerleader but I'm always there physically and metaphorically. I'm always there. Mm -hmm. And I want you to remember, take that away. And when I talk to my husband about anything and everything that our children are doing, I want to make sure that it's always what they're left with is the positive memory of it. On my mom passed in 2017. I'm so sorry. Thank you. During that moment, my stepdaughter's mother, biological mother, harassed us the entire time. And so my memory of that, which was stressful enough, it's already a a sad, poor memory. But then I go back to the anger that I felt about her instead of just honestly leaving me alone. I didn't really expect compassion, but just to be left alone. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember is that moment. And, and with my husband, and I don't think he really knew how to handle any of it. And so it led to a lot of resentment in our relationship because every now and again, I would go back to that moment. Yes. And you feel it all over again. All over again, like it happened yesterday. Which struggle a lot in our marriage just with maybe the the mishandling of putting the biological uh, mother in her place mm-hmm. or making sure whatever she was doing didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. And my husband, he certainly struggled with that throughout the first few years of our relationship. He, he honest to God, really just didn't know how, and he would say it, I don't know what to do. He would like plan it. I really don't know what to do. And because he's a, even though he's not a very emotional guy, he's a very nice guy. He can kind of come off like a pushover. And and she's known him for, for years too. I'm not the only person who, who knew him. So she knew how to manipulate him as well. Mm-hmm. And um, she could play victim very well. And my husband is not the type of man that likes to see a woman hurt or cry, it, it, especially if you make it sound like it's his fault. 
That's not who he is. He doesn't like conflict. But what I had to kind of tell him and teach him is the only woman that you have to be concerned about with tears or anger is me. So if you allow her to manipulate you into certain situations, but it is affecting our marriage, you're going to find yourself without a wife. (laughs) Exactly. And... With a crazy ex, she's still going to be a crazy ex. So he's going to have two crazy exes at that point. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, sometimes I, the avoid, you can't always just avoid the conflict. And I think that's what he was doing. He just, he just wanted to avoid it, but it it kept giving her the go. It was like the green light. Like, okay, well, he's not saying anything. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then to where he finally had to put his foot down and, and, and with his, um, his daughter with that too, because you know, it's, it's difficult with dads and and daughters, that whole mini wife syndrome and Mm -hmm. that daughter can do no wrong. And we, it's so funny because even though my stepdaughter and my relationship has changed to where we're really close right now. And I never thought I would see this day. I mean, literally never thought it, there was a point I had actually written her out of my will. Really? I had, I had, I was so angry all the time. And I was just so like, I loved her, but I just did not like her anymore. And I'm just very honest about that. I just was like, there's no way that I would ever leave her anything because she, she was so awful to me. I'm so glad that y'all were at a better place. I, I mean, I really thank God because I just never thought I would see this day. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would. And we're, so, we're like what I never thought I would ever say. We're really like friends. So she comes me even just to have, you know, girl gossip. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but kind of not. Yes, we do gossip a little bit. <laughs> and she will come and tell me you know, some gossip. Like, oh, did you hear? Even it's about like just the stuff that's going on, like in her little teen life or, you know, whatever. But it's fun. It's a fun relationship. And it's so funny because we're, there was a time when she was just so close to her dad and she didn't like my closeness to her father. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget there was a time when we were dating and I was like snuggled up with her father on the couch from watching a movie and she was sitting like on the other end. And I got up to like use the restroom or something and I came back and she was in my spot. Like, like the flash girl. Yes. And it was like, oh, okay. And I was so uncomfortable and I didn't really know what to say. So then I just sat in where she was previously sitting. But it was her way of letting me know like, this is my day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but now I feel like she's with me, like, okay, this is my mom. And you're like, daddy, I love you for sure. But even sometimes where he still can't see any wrong with her, she'll even say like, oh no, I already told Mary Lynn the truth. Or, you know, it's so (laughs) funny how that corner has really like turned. Well, what made the corner turn? So it would actually be your method. (laughs) Woohoo! I stumbled across two groups on Facebook that promote the the nacho method. And I wanted to like learn as much as I possibly could about that. And everything that you promote about nachoing a child and sometimes your husband, it just, it helped us. And putting that responsibility back onto the biological, just in my case, just the biological father, not the biological mom, and allowing him to do what he's supposed to do right? Um, as a parent, for him to handle the situations, it relieved or just alleviated some of the stress that I was feeling. And, and it allowed me to kind of pick and choose what type of mom I wanted to be to her. Whereas when I went into it, it was just like all encompassing. 
especially since we had two teenagers the same age. I wanted to do everything. I want to treat them the same. But, and I realized that I still treat them the same. I just don't handle the situations the same. And so my husband and I, well, really, I kind of came up with what I would do and not do as a step parent and what I was going to toss back to him. And he was not happy when I first suggested this method to him. Oh, I'm sure not. He was not happy. He kind of looked at it like I was outcasting or like... Throwing your hands up. Yep. Abandoning him. Yes. Yep. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, this method is golden. There's there are so many people who swear by it. And there's so many success stories. And I would like screenshot, it'd be up in like in the middle of the night, researching and whatever. And I would send it to him. And he still was not on board. But, um, and I, I know that people said it would take time. You know, it would take six months to a year. It would take time depending on your situation. And that's what I did. I, I, there were times I definitely wanted to just throw in the towel altogether mm-hmm. on everything. And, but I saw it through. And, and I, you know, I started off with certain things that I nachoed, like school grades, how she dressed or whatever. And I kind of, I think, especially at the, the stage she was in in life with being a teenager, it also allowed her to kind of come into her own. Right. And and then maybe where before she felt that I was forcing my views, thoughts, or opinions upon her, she now started seeking out those same things. And so you no longer felt that I was just like this, you know, bear, you know, gnawing at your back or whatever. It was just, um, it became more of a, a friendship or like, and I, and like, even though she sees me as her mom, she absolutely sees me as her mom now. Mm-hmm. And she appreciates that. And um, she respects that. But before we got to that, I do see where she started seeing me as the friend. And I wish I had started that method initially. Right. I wish I had knew about it when we first met, but you know, typical women, you know, you kind of see everything that the man is doing wrong and you just try to come in and correct it. <laughs> it's just I think even if you would have known about the method, you'd have been like, no, no. Yeah, you, probably. Yeah. You have to struggle. You have to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you hear about mm-hmm. the method and you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. So how does your husband feel about the Nacho Kids method now? Um, so- I think that he's now trying to implement that with my son and him. So their relationship is, has been kind of struggling. And so he's now like, he'll ask me more and more questions about it to see how my son and him can get to where his daughter and I are. Mm-hmm. So he definitely knows that it works, It, but it, and he appreciates it for the relationship that his daughter and I have. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to back up for a minute. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how we remember the bad. Yes. Gratitude journals. If you look up research on gratitude journals, they are life changing. Mm -hmm. And the reason is if you start off your morning writing down three things you're thankful for, you're setting the precedence for your day. Absolutely. I actually just read a an article about a young man who was battling depression and he started going for walks and he decided during the walks to out loud say three things that he was grateful for. And he realized that it changed the course of his day mm-hmm. and release the endorphins and serotonin that he needed to be happier. Right. And he said that even though the walks are good physically, mm-hmm. expressing the gratitude he felt 
kept him more humble but happy throughout his day. And that's more so of what he was focused on versus all the negativity in his life. Right. And I think that the the idea of a gratitude journal is a great idea. And honestly, thank you for that. Cause I think I'm going to suggest that for my, I think I'm not even just going to say the children. I think I should just do like a big family one and everybody go in there every day. You know, and then maybe it's something we could like look back over, you know, yeah. five or 10 years from now. Like, oh, do you remember this? You were so grateful for this back in 2020, like having toilet tissue. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who would have ever thought that that is something? I mean, yes, we should have been grateful 10 years ago for toilet yeah. paper. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those crazy. things where it's like everything else. When it's happening, well, let me back up because you had mentioned about, um, oh, I'm not even going to be able to remember it exactly, but it's like the remembering the bad. So mm-hmm. we don't remember every day that we had toilet paper, but by God, we remember the day that we couldn't find any at the store. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we will remember. And I've did a challenge in the Nacho Kids Academy and it's called Change Your Stinking Thinking. I talk mm-hmm. about it very often because I love it. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And it's basically it stemmed from me hearing about Dr. Daniel Amen wrote a book about ants, automatic negative thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's the fortune telling ant. You know, you go leave work on Wednesday, you know the stepkids come in Wednesday night and you're like, great, they're going to be complaining, they're not going to like what I fix for supper, blah, 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 blah. Well, mm-hmm. of course you're going to be in a bad mood. Right. But you don't know if that's what's going to happen. You're letting that fortune telling ant make your head spiral. The so as a man think of is he. Yes, yes. And if we don't stop that negative thinking, it will spiral and continue. It is a habit and you have to break it. Absolutely. How many people wake up in the morning and go, oh, such a lovely day? No, we wake up going, I am tired. I do not want to get up and go to work or yes, (laughs) I'm sick of doing the dishes. We complain without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And if we pay more attention to our thoughts, Mm -hmm. we become more diligent in our thinking. Mm-hmm. And then when you change your thinking, you'll hang out with somebody at work and you're like, my God, they're negative. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yes. And you never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. But the story about your son, it cracks me up. And the reason it cracks me up is my son, I spoil him rotten, which mm-hmm. that's a whole different, that's a 20 year <laughs> podcast going on. Um, but I had gotten him two Spider-Man cakes for his birthday. One Mm -hmm. was the, I don't know the difference, but there's the black Spider-Man and then the regular Spider-Man. Yes. And so I asked, Jackson was outside playing or something and I was getting ready to cut the cake. And I asked one of his little friends that was there, I said, which one should I cook first? Girl. (laughs) What happened? That has now, 10 years later, has turned into, I let that little boy blow out the candle. I let that little boy open up the (laughs) presents. (laughs) Next year, it'll probably be that I sang happy birthday to the little boy. Oh, no. Cake gate. (laughs) Cake gate. And it's so funny because you already feel like crap with the mistakes you make as a parent. Yeah. You don't need some little heathen child (laughs) (laughs) reminding you about cake gate. Yes. That is always, it's always so funny how kids' memories work. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and and if your child is anything like mine, they will also convince you that they're right. Their memory is absolutely correct. And you're remembering it wrong. Yeah, because we're old and we can't remember why we walked in the kitchen. Yeah, (laughs) that part is actually true. I know it is. (laughs) But here's the thing. If I let that negativity spiral 
I'm going to be on my deathbed at 82 years old thinking about how I disappointed my kid with the darn Spider-Man cake. Yes. Yeah. No, we have to create our own joy. Yep. And I'm not saying that, no, even telling you this, I do still feel guilty. Goodness gracious. But that's natural. Right. Yeah. But there's the other aunt. It's a guilt aunt. Mm-hmm. Guilt never allows you to do something productive. Mm-hmm. It just, it's like quicksand. It'll suck mm-hmm. you in. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I'm like, stop talking about it. Well, my husband likes to push my buttons. So <laughs> he and Jackson team up on me. And the next thing you know is, yeah, she gave one of those kids your presents. <laughs> like I said, it's going to be interesting what the story is in another five years. I know, that is <laughs> But also, I do a lot of research, and Mm -hmm. our memories are not always true. Mm -hmm. That's true. A lot of it is perception. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is the influence from what people have told us. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's dreams. Mm -hmm. And when you research and realize that whatever the percentage is, I can't remember right now, memories are not 100% accurate, you're like, darn, I I mean, what am I living? I don't know. The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, did that happen or did it not? I don't know. It sounds good. I came from a big family. It's I have five siblings. And sometimes we'll sit around and we'll tell a story. <laughs> I know where this is going. Somebody is like, well, this happened. The other person like, no, it didn't. That didn't. You weren't even there. And then we get into this whole like battle of what the correct recollection of the story is. <laughs> And we spend more time discounting this person's like um, story about it than we actually can get into what really happened. It's kind of funny. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, back in the day when we were growing up, we didn't have parents that took pictures and proved everything later. Exactly. There is nothing. I actually, there's, I have zero uh, videos of myself as a child. Mm-hmm. And recently I started reaching out to like people I went to like grade school and high school with who did have the parents who recorded like the assemblies or um, recitals. And and I have one friend that had uh, the recording of our high school graduation. And um, I was a senior class president. And I, I remember like I had given a speech and all these kinds of, you know, things, these awards I received. And I wanted to show my children. She, I also wanted to hear what I sounded like when I was younger, what my voice sounded like. I don't know. It's a strange thing. I just wanted to hear. Oh. And I go back and I'm, I'm watching the video and this is just recently. And now I live in the South now, but I'm originally from Chicago. Okay. And I watched the video. And I'm like, why do I sound like a 40 year old Southern woman at 18 years old? I did not know that. I don't remember sounding like that, speaking like that. <laughs> I just, I'm watching this video and it's like, my memory of this graduation was totally different. Uh The way that everybody else looked or at, it was just totally different. And it's like, it's funny to me because, um, yeah, now I can't really trust myself that well. (laughs) But here's the thing. Is it different because you're looking at it from a different age? You're not looking at it from an 18-year-old view. You're looking at it from a, I don't know, I'm going to say 28-year-old view. Oh, I wish 28. No, you don't, girl. You don't want to relive this stuff. (laughs) True. I would not go backwards. It's like even when I looked at my mom and dad in that video, 
when I think of my parents, it's how they look currently or whatever. Right. And then I look back at that and I'm like, oh my God, they were so young. Look, it's like, oh, my dad still had hair. <laughs> my mom had a baby face. It It is it is interesting to go back and see it that way. Yeah, I think that is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I've known my mom when she was in the hospital sometimes, she would lose track of time and things like that. And she would go, you haven't come to see me in three days. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I would have taken a picture of me and the board where they write the nurse's name and the date and all that stuff. And I'm like, here's my proof. Good. Yes. That is the great thing about technology. Yeah. But the bad thing is I was looking at a magazine in the mountains this weekend Mm -hmm. and it was a real estate magazine. Mm -hmm. And I see this house. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I want to see what the inside looks like. And I pressed on it. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And then I actually, for half a second, wondered why it didn't work. That is so, that is, we are just an (laughs) age, but we are used to that instant, instant, instant. Like I remember even just when the digital cameras like first came out Yeah, and my son would, you know, I took a picture and he's like, okay, let me see. And it's like, do you know how long I used to have to wait? Weeks. To see my picture and then hope that they actually all came out good because you just never, you got, you know, out of those, what was it? 30 film that came in a roll or something. Yeah. 24 or 36 or something. I can't remember. Yeah. You got like 10, maybe good shots. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was like, you get to get this and redo it if you don't like it. So it's so, what did I tell my kids the other day? I was like, you know, there was a time when I didn't, I used no, we were watching a Christmas story. That's what it was. A Christmas story. And one of my favorite holiday movies. And in that movie, the kids are waiting and listening to a radio program. And I go, do you know there was a time before TV? And my kids are like, what did people do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, they, at this point in time, they were listening to the radio. And he's like, for entertainment? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yes, the things that you guys have did not always exist. I know. I'm like, even from when I was a kid, I mean, there's so many, even though I grew up in more of a technological era, but it's like, there's still things where I'm like, man, I can't believe I didn't have that when I was a kid. Girl, A Christmas Story is my favorite movie too. Yes! (laughs) You're gonna shoot your eye out. That's just totally... My husband bought me the leg lamp. No. Yes. And I have been trying to find the perfect place to put it. And I finally found, you know, a window in our house where it could just face right out to the street. I love (laughs) it. All the neighbors to see this leg lamp. I have been wanting that for years. He got it for me last year. And I just, I'm one of those people that would still watch a Christmas store when they do like the 24 or 48 hour Mm -hmm. rerun. I'll watch it every time. Yes. I love it too. My favorite part is when the little boys, the youngest kids dressed up (laughs) to go out in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks like the Michelin little man. Yes. Well, I told my kids that too. Well, so again, my my husband and my stepdaughter are Florida born and raised, mm-hmm. and I've been here for about seven, eight years now. My son and I are from Chicago, so we've gone through the tough winters, the blizzards. My husband has never seen snow. And every year when we try to go somewhere where it's supposed to be snowing for Christmas, it always snows the day we leave. <laughs> It just never fails. It always snows today. So 
Um, and we've gone to like, like Snow Mountain in Georgia, where it's like the, the man-made stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you got to get the real like. No, you need to go to like Wyoming. and Yes. And I'm like, I just want you guys to have that experience. And I was like, when we were kids having to um, wear snow boots and then keep your shoes in your backpack so you can change when you get to school. Like, I was like, it was just so much or the snow, like a real snowball fight, not these ice fights, but like. I'm like, it was just so much fun living in that. And every year I try to give them this experience. And for whatever reason, I cannot get to the snow when I want to get to the snow. It's going to happen, girl. Hopefully next year, next year we can go somewhere where I'm guaranteed snow, like, you know, Colorado or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We live in South Carolina, so it's rare that we get snow. Mm -hmm. And when we do, or even if there's a threat for snow, everything shuts down and everybody goes to buy bread and milk. Oh, my goodness. It's hilarious because, really, if the forecast is calling for a flurry or a half-inch accumulation off to the store, you're getting your bread and milk. It's crazy. It's so funny when I hear about other towns or cities or states where that happens. And when we were kids, our school superintendent at the time, I don't care if it was the great blizzard of blah, 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 was not shutting those schools down. (laughs) But, see, nowadays they can't do that. They don't. Well, a few years, what was that, 2009, 2010, 12, I forget, the blizzard in Chicago, they did shut down the school, Mm -hmm. but they didn't shut down the jobs. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mother in in Chicago, because mainly you work downtown, Mm -hmm. so mostly everyone is like a commuter with public transportation because it's just too expensive to drive and park. And I remember my mother standing out there in like four feet of snow, and there the streets, like literally, it's just a the whole everything is a bed of snow. Mm-hmm. It's like what what bus is coming down this? And she's just one of those. She's one of those people. Her and my father just never like if the job is open, I'm going to work. Mm-hmm. That's just who they were. They didn't call off ever. They they literally only took their vacation days because they were kind of like forced. You know, I don't know where I come from, but mm-hmm. same <laughs> that here. Is not me. It's like oh, I want to go on vacation this weekend. I'm I got gone. two hours of vacation. I'll see yeah. you later. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. I'm so totally opposite of them. But and she was so worried that she was actually going to like get in trouble or something. She'd been in the shop forever because the bus never, you know, never showed. And of course it was understood. It's a blizzard. Where are you going? (laughs) I'm going to work if they send a bus. (laughs) That was her thought process, but it was the city of Chicago is like, we have to see it to believe it. It's like, then, then they'll, they'll close it down. We'll see what happens and then we'll shut it down. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but that was, um, it was a, it was such a fun experience though. Just being, I, that was my first time in life ever experiencing that much snow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, golly, let's see. I was probably eight and we had quote, quote, a big snow. All the kids in the neighborhood came and we built a snowman and snow woman that was like seven feet tall and five feet around. We rolled our whole front yard and our whole backyard to build these snow people. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was hilarious. But that's a, hey, look, that's a good memory. Yes. Yes. I'm sure if I think about it, I can think about my mom fussing at us for bringing snow in the house or whatever, something negative, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Even with the the way that negative memories happen, this is what I also believe. The negative memories, you'll recall what the negative event was. Mm-hmm. But when there's a positive memory, you don't necessarily remember why it was positive. You just remember that it was. Right. It was positive because there was no negative. (laughs) Right. right. 
That's right. It's probably exactly true. I always like recall fondly like my Christmases growing up and how special they were. But it isn't because I can remember like the gift I got or or anything really in particular. It's just that my parents always made it so special. And so I just know that it was special because that's just the feeling I remember around it. Right. It's more like with those positive memories, you remember what you felt like, like this made me happy. So anytime I think about that, I get happy inside. I revert back to childhood in that way. And, you know, people can say, well, what did they do? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess, well, maybe my mom did that. You may pull small things here and there. Mm -hmm. But it's just that this was a happy time in my life. And I kind of want to stay like focused on it. I want to keep that. Right. I want to hold that that dearly to me. And that's when I was saying, I try to keep that thought process in my mind when dealing with our family and our children, even with dealing with the bio mom, I don't share, or I mean, my daughter's older now, so we, we can kind of tell her a little stuff, but we actually didn't used to share a lot of the drama that was happening with her bio mom. Mm-hmm. Because I just didn't want her, the majority of her memories to be tainted with that. Right. I didn't want that to be the only thing that she would be left to focus on when she got older. Right. I kind of wanted it to be about us. Now, of course, her bio mom would tell her or, and, that, and that would be on her. But from our end, our perspective, it was in this house, we're just trying to create a happy, loving environment. And that's what we're going to focus on. And sometimes we would even tell her, if her, you know, her mom said something. Thing or whatever. It's like, oh, we don't want to hear that today. This is this is a good day. Let's not focus. Yes. Now, something that I want to talk about real fast is you nacho, but she calls you mom. She doesn't call me mom um, to me. Okay. She still calls me by my first name. Okay. But she does address me to her friends or teachers, whomever, as mom. And if she posts something on social media, she will always say, my mom did, you know, X, Y, Z. Like when I make us, you know, do uh, family pictures and she'll, you know, do like when when your mom, you know, just that kind of funny stuff. Right. But she always says it. To to me, she still says Mary Lynn. Right. And which is okay. And it's probably just because out of habit, she's just been saying it that long. Right. So she doesn't call you mom. She refers to you as mom. Just refers to me as mom. But from all aspects, you really are mom to her. Yes. And we have people that say, I can't nacho because I'm there more than anybody. Or I can't nacho because their mom's not in the picture. You can nacho and be a full-time stepmom and by a mom be completely absent. Yes. I was one of those people in the beginning. That is what I thought. I had that same thought process. Like, how could you possibly nacho? And I think it's because, and I don't know what happens, but maybe you feel that the dad has somehow become incapable (laughs) because he got a wife and we've now enabled the dad more to, to, to kind of step back instead of stepping up. Right. We take over everything. They don't need to do anything. Yes. And, and then at the same time, we're complaining to, you know, our spouses about, you know, this going wrong or the way the stepchild is acting or the issues with the, with the bio mom. And we may overstep our boundaries, which be, with being the person that communicates with the bio mom, thinking that maybe woman to woman or mother to mother that they would listen or you know, whatever. And it really isn't, it just really isn't our place. For people who do have those good relationships and maybe you're dealing with um, a decent human, I don't know, (laughs) kind of rare, but, you know, more power to you. But honestly, 
I think that being able to step back and and not in a not in a way that you're allowing uh, disrespect or anything or allowing somebody to walk over you, but just being able to step back and saying, okay, wait a minute, I did not give birth to you, mm-hmm. and um, and then I didn't meet you at the very beginning. So you are who you, this child is who they are because of their biological father and their biological mother, mm-hmm. and that. Nine times out of 10 is going to be different than how they would have been if you were the person that birthed them or raised them from the very beginning. Right. So a lot of the thing is this child is just not what you really expected or wanted. And and that presents challenges of its own. One of the things that it seems so silly now, but I didn't get it at the time. My daughter was not a girly girl and she still is not a girly girl. Mm -hmm. And I'm such the girly girly mom. I just thought she was a girl. Let's go do pink and purple and bows. And (laughs) I just thought that was, you know, and she was more like uh, black and gray. And I will never wear a dress. I remember her crying. Because I wanted her to put on a dress for her brother's, uh, for my son's Boy Scout um, dinner, awards dinner ceremony. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she cried. And I'm thinking, oh my God, over a dress. But it was because for 10 years, I didn't meet her till she was 10 years old. For 10 years of her life, she didn't wear dresses. Mm -hmm. She was a ruffian and she was outside hunting and fishing with her dad every day. That is who she was. And I was trying to mold her into what I kind of wanted for my daughter. Right. And it's it's no different than you trying to mold your husband into what you think he should be as a parent. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, I had to kind of step back from that and say, well, these, like, these are my things. This is what I want. And this is not a battle worth fighting. Yes. It's it's just not a battle worth fighting. There are some I can, you know, do a hard, you know, no on, but this is not it. And I cannot change who you were for 10 years because I've now come in the picture and I'm the adult. Like, I don't want to bulldoze over you. Right. Exactly. And so I have to learn how to back off of some of those things. And again, even things like the grade, I had to take a step back with being the person who executes like homework time. And, you know, if, you know, your grades are dropping, you're losing, um, you know, like uh, electronics time and stuff like that. They're older now. I'm just thinking of like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, But um, now what I would still do, because my husband definitely worked uh, different hours than me, more demanding hours. And I was available during the times when they were like in middle school. And when she first started high school, I would still go to like the appointment, the the school appointments and meetings. I would still do that. Mm -hmm. I did that more out of like help for my husband because I am his helpmate. Mm -hmm. But then instead of me being just the sole parent or even us together discussing whatever issues the teacher may say, I would discuss it with him. And then you discuss it with your daughter. Right. And then you, even if we may come up with a plan in private, you need to be the one presenting it as though this is your idea. This is your thought. This is what you want to happen to her. Right. And and so if she's going to be mad at anybody, she can be mad at you. Mm-hmm. If she needs to be on punishment because of X, she needs to be mad at you, not me. That's right. Take, and, take that target off your back, girl. Take the target. I My brother told me something and I always thought it was the best piece of advice. And, you know, when I would complain again back in the day and he would say, you don't understand that 
the love that she has for her mother is unconditional. Yes. The love that she has for her father is unconditional. The love she has for you is conditional. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing for you. He said, you may not see it because you know, you're a good woman and you love the kids, but it is conditional. Yes, it is. And so her father could yell at her. He could put her on punishment. He could take away electronics. He can, and she would still go to bed that night. Love you, daddy. Hug you. Wake up that morning. And it was all fine. Mm-hmm. I could say, brush your teeth before bed. And it's like, and then you're not talking to me for a week. Yes. It was like that. And because that love she has for daddy is unconditional, he needed to be the person to enforce things, to to be, I don't want to say stricter, because you don't necessarily have to be a stricter parent, but when it when it's caused for it, he needed to be that person for her. So then she can still learn the lesson without the resentment. Right. When it's coming from the step parent, you may almost miss the the message because of who the mess, you know, from the messenger. You're missing the message because of the messenger. Right. And and that's not that, you know, we we were doing it wrong in the beginning. We were really doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And you- we've learned our lesson. <laughs> yes, yes. And you were so right about the unconditional, unconditional love. And we may mm-hmm. think, no, I love my stepkids unconditionally. You let my stepkid go slap my kid in the face. No, no, yes. no, no, no. Yes. It doesn't mean I stop loving them, but it knocks it down a couple levels. <laughs> that's for sure. It absolutely does. I remember my two kids, they used to put each other on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, but my son would always fall off and hurt himself. And, and I had told them, you know, stop. And my stepdaughter, she has a very soft voice, just a very, you can't hear her. Mm-hmm. And so my son is loud, like his mother, <laughs> and you would hear him. And so you'd always assume that he's the one that's in the wrong. And so he would usually be the one that gets in trouble. And it's like, well, they're playing together. But I remember he failed. I could hear her this time kind of whispering like, okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know, well, just, let's just do it one more time. And it's just like, and I remember saying, if he falls and hurts himself one more time, I'm going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I was so upset. I'm like, oh, mama bear came out. That's my baby. Mm-hmm. That is my baby. And so you do kind of, and, and my husband is the same way. There are times where you can, he, you can tell he still struggles with the, and it might be because it's a girl thing, but the overprotection yes. of his daughter, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes he may jump into a conversation and we're just like, oh, this person, you know, didn't finish their, their dishes last night. Cause my kids alternate each day with chores. And then he immediately comes to defend Mm -hmm. for his child. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, calm down. We're like, we're a family now. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we got this. We can work this out. Um, You don't need to be her lawyer. So (laughs) he still struggles with that. And I can understand it for sure. Um, He hasn't, he hasn't crossed over that like hurdle yet. You know, Mm -hmm. he's still kind of at the beginning. (laughs) But you you know, what's funny though, is David and I, uh, let's see how long we've been married, 11 years. Mm -hmm. And I still cannot have him say anything about my kid. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a tough one for a lot of people. It is. Now, the funny thing is, well, when I say he can't say anything, there's very few things he can say. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if he makes a comment, even though his kids moved out, you know, a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was, if he makes a comment of, well, no need to ask Jackson to do it, he won't do it. It makes mm-hmm. me mad because I'm thinking, well, your youngest didn't do crap neither. Mm-hmm. And see, you kick still after all this time, you kick into tit for tat. And I know that he's most of the time not doing it out of frustration. It's just reality sometimes. And also, mm-hmm. you know, I think as I'm saying this to you, I think I realize that it bothers me when it's out of frustration because it makes me feel like it's not out of love. Oh, you said that perfectly. I got to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> 
that what that is the best way to describe that because I think that that's how most of us feel when our spouses say something about our children mm-hmm. and it seems more like um I don't want to say attacking but it definitely comes off more as, in a way of like pointing out thoughts faults rather than trying to correct the faults. Right. And I I feel that way a lot with my husband. And we've we've had a lot of conversations about that over the years with that. And it's so interesting because we both get defensive about our bio children. But you'll bash that sweet little baby all day long. You will bash that baby. You can walk through the door. I'm like, let me tell you what this little a-hole did. Like it's just <laughs> And we just laugh about it. Nobody is sensitive. Our feelings aren't hurt. And we can, we'll just continue to share stories. Poor her, you know, we just, and it's so weird because after all this time, if I do need to tell him that a situation has occurred with his daughter and it's few and far between, but you know, it, it still happens. There's still children living under our roof and I can see where he starts getting defensive. And I always have to preface it with, well, hold on, you know, I love her. She, I'm not saying this because of xyz or you know or i'm not attacked i i always have to still put that out there Mm -hmm. because i don't know that i don't know i don't know what it would be like 10 or 20 years down the line but i i know we're still not at the part where we understand that the step parent has the best interest at heart we know it like you know it on like the somewhere like almost deep down inside but then on the surface level it doesn't come out Something else just hit me. Mm-hmm. David's kids, when they moved out, now granted, I had reengaged a while before they had moved out. But when I say reengaged, it's not like I told David, your kids are lazy. You know, nothing like that. When I reengaged, it was a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed, looking back, thinking that since they've moved out, I can say stuff that's not always positive about his kids and he's not so defensive. And I think it's because Hmm. they're not living here. So he doesn't take it as a jab against his parenting. Oh, okay. So I have one year is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's because if they're doing stupid crap now, it's not his responsibility. They're adults. Yeah, that's true. Or I'm on a roll today. Watch out. (laughs) I can't wait to get to that that point. You'll get there. And, you know, it's funny because once again, when you get there, it'll be like all of a sudden you're like, golly, it's been six months and I haven't thought anything horrible about my stepkid. I know. You know, it is kind of funny because I do a few years ago, I did used to think our household would run a lot smoother if if his daughter, and this is probably, it sounds bad to admit out loud, but if his daughter wasn't here all the time. Uh-huh. And because what I'd noticed when the kids were younger was that let's say it was a weekend, she was visiting her grandparents. My son and him would actually get along better. Of course. And it was just, and not that I wanted to pick one kid or the other, but it was just, it was just always less tension in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like particularly against her or anything. It was just that I just wanted the tension in the air kind of gone. Right. I do think with having the hours baby, 
I do think for our particular situation, well, that had some ups and downs with the kids and how they responded to us too. But I think the love they have for their little sister does help the family bond a lot more. Perfect. And that's what I was going to say. You know, David and I didn't have a kid together, but we got a dog. Oh, yes. And I'm not referring to your kid as a dog. <laughs> but no, we just got a puppy too. So I know what you, yeah. Yeah, but it's something that everybody can love. It's mm-hmm. not a yours. It's not a his. It's not a mine. It's not a theirs. It's ours. Mm-hmm. And there's no bio mom saying, you can't love that dog. And it's so much easier. But this dog, I tell you what, the kids will call from Japan and say, how's Ziva? <laughs> Is she there? I'm like, no, she went to the grocery store. <laughs> That's so cute. And then I'm like, well, what about me? Hello? Hello? <laughs> but they do. I can't wait to get home and see Ziva. I'm like, good yes, Lord. That is so, that's exactly what it is. It's the, it belongs to the family versus just one or the other. Right. And now I was totally blessed enough to where our kids, no matter how they felt about us, bonded right away. Mm-hmm. So they were and still are best friends. That's awesome. And they share the same um, friends. I mean, obviously they go to the same school and everything, but even between their two groups of friends, they're still like, you know, his guy friends, her girlfriends, whatever. They're still all friends and they have their little bond and their little secrets and their, you know, and whatever we are chastising one, the other one always has to defend that person. Yeah. Always. So I love that. Even no matter how much like may annoy me a little bit, I always have a smirk on my face because it's just like, I'm so happy though that you guys love each other. Right. And that's the thing. It's because, you know, you do hear some other people's stories where that is not the case. And that has to be a lot more difficult if not only do you not get along with the step parents, but then your step kids are fussing and fighting. That has to be hard. Yes, it is. Um, we deal with a lot of that. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing. You can't make people like each other. No, you can't. And the more you try it, you're just going to create more of a divide. I, when I was a kid, and I told my mom this some years ago, I have a little sister and she's only a year younger than me, probably less than a year actually. But we had, and she had her set of friends. I have my set of friends, but again, going to school together, everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. But like, these are my friends. And every time I wanted to go to my friend's house or, you know, a summer party, my mother would make me bring my little sister. Mm. What happened was I was never mad at my mother for some reason. It made me not like my little sister. Yeah, because she had to tag along. She had to tag along. And my sister told me like years ago, like, I didn't even want to (laughs) go. So it was maybe my mother's way of getting us both out of the house. But... Looking back, it was like, if you didn't force that, now we're so close now. We're so super close. I would probably talk to my sister maybe four or five hours out of the day every day. Oh my gosh. Um, You know, we text all day and then just in a family group chat with all of my siblings, Uh we're all very close. But growing up, we didn't like each other and you couldn't tell publicly, but it was just always that like, oh, I'm so tired of you. Like, I'm tired of seeing you. We share a room together. I'm tired of you tagging along with me. I'm just tired of it. And I felt like my mother kept forcing us to be super close because she was like that with her sister. Mm -hmm. And it made me reject it. Kind of like 
my on the opposite end with my son's father my mother used to always try to pull me away from him and you know it was she would find every little method to restrict uh, our relationship you know my mom bought me a car when I was a teenager but I couldn't use the car to go see him mm-hmm. so it's like you go see him then you can't it was things like that and it all it did was draw me closer to him right and of course my mother was right he totally turned out to be a loser but <laughs> My father always said, it's like the age old tale. If your mother would have just backed off, you would have learned that he was a loser much sooner. Yeah, because we had to prove them wrong. He had to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Had to prove them. It's like, no, no, no. You don't see what I see. You don't really know what love is. You've never been through anything like this. And it's like, oh, then you, you know, then I became the mom. And I was like, oh, God, my mother was so right about everything. Like mm-hmm. literally everything. So it's, it's so funny, but. That's kind of the thing. I try to think about that now so much, even with the relationships my kids have with their biological parents. I did not want to talk negatively about them. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens. I'm, I'm not, I'm no saying it happens occasionally, but, but I would try my best not to, or try my best not to talk in front of them. Like if my husband and I were speaking and try to do it more privately. And for years, I actually, even for my son's father, I wouldn't say anything. If he would tell me a story, if he would mention something about his dad, I would just go, mm. and I would never say anything. And as he got older, he, you know, was like, is something wrong with you that you never actually um, respond? And I told him, like, I just didn't want to be the mom that was speaking negatively and influence you. I wanted you to get to a point in your life where you realize who he was. And, um, and my son tried to have a relationship with his dad a couple of years ago. Um, well, even up until the beginning of this year, off and on. And he kind of maybe even fell a little bit for his dad's BS. And then he realized he's just not a good parent. Mm-hmm. And, and now I see why you didn't really want him to be a part of my life. Right. And, but if I had forced it, if I had really, now I, I did remove my son from that situation, but if I had like verbally constantly always talked about it and forced it, I do feel that naturally he just would have come to the defense of his dad. Right. And um, the same thing with my stepdaughter, I do feel like there were times in the beginning we were just actually trying to rationalize with her why we would make certain decisions about her not being able to visit her mom or, or not being able to stay longer than, you know, what her mom's requesting. Or um, there was a time her mother didn't live in state and we had, no one had been there whatever. And she wanted to go. Her mother asked her to go for like the summer. And we would try to explain why this wasn't a good situation. And the only way to explain why it wasn't a good situation is to kind of be honest, like, well, your mother has substance abuse issues. And she's like, no, my mom is clean. She says she's clean. So she's clean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, or she's in these kind of crazy relationships. Nope, nope, nope. And she would just start defending her mother. Right. And it's like, okay, maybe we're giving you too much information here. And it only is putting you in a position to stick up for her versus just being like, oh, I can see why you wouldn't want your child to be there. Right. So, and I think too, with my stepdaughter, again, like with having my four-year-old, she's like the other parent. Oh, yes. You know, more so than my husband. She is so protective of her sister. And we actually... Um, so my daughter's nickname is the baby's nickname is Livy. We had a cruise planned for spring break this year. We were the literally ours got canceled. 
mm-hmm. the day the president made the order. So I was like, why can't it have just been one more week? Yeah. But it was three, four families of us that were going. And we all had shirts made that said, where's Libby? Because <laughs> my stepdaughter asks all the time, she peeks her head out, where's Libby? Where's Libby? Uh-huh. If she's going to play outside with my, where's Libby? And even if I say, oh, she's with daddy, she still has to check uh-huh. to make sure that he's keeping an eye on her. Yep. So she only trusts me and herself. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think when she, I don't think she's putting in perspective, like as far as like her, her and her mother necessarily, but I think she can kind of get a general sense of what it feels like to love something and be so protective of that and not wanting to ever put that, that thing, person or whatever in a position where harm could come and not even just physical harm, but like any type of mental or emotional harm. Right. And so we're, I think, you know, the older she gets, and you know, a lot of things have to come with age and maturity and she realizes that. So when she looks back now at some of the stories, or even when we talk about, you know, even when we're talking about colleges and I made a joke the other day, there was a, she got a, a flyer in the mail for a college that happened to not be too far from her mom. And I joke and I go, oh, you'd be closer to your mom. And she goes, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was funny. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, you do. You do get it. You know, you you are starting to get it. You got it a little late. Kind of wanted you to get it when you were early. But as long as you got it. Exactly. So. Well, Mary Lynn, we did not even cover a quarter of what I wanted to talk to you about. I know. So let's talk real fast. I do have one question. What about your bio son? Does he go to his dad's? No. Okay. So you have basically your stepdaughter and your bio son all the time. All the time. My son asked his father to visit him um, on a few different occasions. And his father just made an excuse and, and wanted my son to travel to see him. And it was at that point, my son realized like, well, you're the adult and you're the parent. And if you want to see me, you would make every effort to see me. And he tried to manipulate my son to thinking it was my fault. Of course. And my son did realize at that point, like, hey, my mom's been here and she has literally done everything for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not going to fall for this one. Yep. And so if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't talked to his father in maybe six or seven months. Wow. Well, I do want to tell people real quick how I ran across you. I was informed by some people that there were some YouTube videos about Nacho Kids. Mm-hmm. And I went to listen to them. And some of them were completely off base, you know. <laughs> and I listened to yours. And I'm like, she gets it. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a YouTube video from somebody that gets the Nacho Kids method. (laughs) And so I reached out to you, but you have your own podcast. Yes. All right. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. So my podcast is called Suburban Urban Mom. And you basically can find it on any podcasting uh, uh, platform. Mm -hmm. And I basically just talk about being a stepmom, being a bio mom, being a mom to teenagers, being a mom to a toddler while being a mom to teenagers. And now you can add being a mom to a puppy. Being a mom to a puppy uh, who is absolutely insane, but we love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then also being a mom in the South with, you know, and being in a, in, an interracially blended family. Mm-hmm. 
And because um, even though this is 2020, there's there's still a lot that goes on um, with racism and or, you know, a lack of understanding. Yes, ma'am. About racist um, and, and not just black or white, but just all types of races and cultures that are out there. Mm-hmm. And so teaching our kids these things, tools, what they encounter, what we may or may not have encountered. Um, as being an uh, interracial couple. So I talk about all of these things. I'm also a mom that has gone back to school to pursue my um, medical degree. So while also dealing with kids who are homeschooled, and it's just madness. So I feel like the world should have to listen to my madness if I have to be a part of it. <laughs> and that is perfect. <laughs> So that's basically what Suburban Urban Mom is about. That's awesome. And I'm so glad I found you because, again, it's rare that we find people that haven't been through the Nacho Kids Academy that understand the method. So I was so excited. I'm telling you, I was like, she gets it. I was so happy. I'm so grateful to you for even coming up with this method and and making this um, public, (laughs) not holding this wisdom to yourself. to help so many of us. And honestly, there are so many people in the same situations. And I come across so many groups, just so, 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 so many groups by the thousands that are looking for help. And the first thing anybody says, oh, go learn about the natural math. Go, go read about it. Like, Everybody needs to know about the Nacho Kids method. Everybody, everybody that's in a, honestly, you don't even have to be in a blended family, a step parent. This actually works on your biological family. (laughs) It works in life in general. Yes. It really does. (laughs) We've started saying that Nacho is a way of life and it really is. It is. And I'm thankful that David and I made it and that we did decide to share our story and what worked for us in the Nacho Kids Method because there's nothing better than us getting a message from somebody saying the Nacho Kids Method helped us. Mm -hmm. But of course, my response is you did the work. We just kind of gave you a guide and said here, (laughs) or we gave you the tools. You definitely gave the tools. Yes, but you definitely have to do the work. And it's not easy. No. But the reward is like a crown bigger than you ever imagined. Yes, agreed. Well, Mary Lynn, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. And I have a feeling we need to have you back on here soon. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So I did find it interesting when Mary Lynn said that she took the stepdaughter out of her wheel because she was mad at her. (laughs) That's funny, because I'm thinking, stepkid ain't never making me in the wheel. I ain't worried about that. <laughs> you talking about my baby? Yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. David. Putting him in my wheel. Oh, Lord, y'all. This is a whole nother discussion about wheels and life insurance policies. We will talk about that at one point, mm-hmm. just so you know. Yeah, that's all craziness. And she said Nacho was the turning point for her and her stepdaughter. Well, good. So now she is the suburban urban legend. (laughs) Is she the suburban urban nacho legend? Yep. (laughs) We got to get her a shirt made. I'm the suburban urban legend. (laughs) And now her husband is trying to implement the nacho kids method with her son. Oh, awesome. So we'll definitely have to touch base later and see how that went. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes... One co- one person in the relationship will do it, and the other person is not. And it's like you can always tell because the person is doing is like, I wish they would see how this is working well and implement it themselves. <laughs> Definitely. 
at one point, Mary Lynn mentions how she didn't think that she could nacho because she was a full-time stepmom. Mm-hmm. And we tell people all the time, you can. Yep. Well, that goes back to the misunderstanding of the methodology. They they think that it means completely, you know, ignoring people or pulling completely back 24-7. Acting like they don't exist. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that's not how it is. And so it's funny because people are like, I can't, I can't do that because they're with me all the time. Uh, yeah, you can do that. Same thing with the question like, you know, can you not your one kid, not the other? We, we get that a lot. And it's like, yeah, absolutely you can. Why, could, why can't you? Mm-hmm. But, um, but it goes back to just the misunderstanding piece of it, of not, not really grasping what it's about. So you should head over to our brand new website at nachokids.com. <laughs> <laughs> Check and, it out. And read some more about it. But uh, yeah, we actually didn't announce it, but we do have a brand spanking new refreshed website. So if you want to go over and check that out, you can do that. You haven't redone the academy part though, right? Uh, no. Okay. No, the nachokids.com. Okay. Actually, I didn't know I had to do the re- the academy. Are you having me redo the academy? At some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to do some other sites for you first. Yeah. That's lower on the priority list. Okay. Very good. I fixed to say somehow I didn't get the memo. I hate that you missed this discussion with Mary Lynn, though, David, because we talk about how your memories are not necessarily accurate. Mm-hmm. And she said that she has five siblings and they will sit around and disagree about their memories. Oh, I, I can see that. Oh, yeah. I can see it all day long. Well, I keep telling the story about how you and I met, hoping that one day you'll remember it the way I do, but it doesn't work. I've been doing this for 11 years. Tell them the same version of the story, and you, you've not given up. You keep holding on to your version as the <laughs> truth. <laughs> That's because I know cockamamie when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but my version is so much better. And anybody that's listened to our podcast before, they know that you're cockamamie. <laughs> <laughs> cockamamie. I need to look that up. It means ridiculous. Yeah, I'd rather use Implausible. Ridiculous. Implausible? Implausible. Yep. David's new name is Cockamamie Button Pusher. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can find your site because they can't spell it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so go check out Mary Lynn at the Suburban Urban Legend. No, that's not <laughs> it. At the Suburban Urban Mom on YouTube. Tell her we sent you. Yep. Do that and do it with a smile. all right y'all i'm done all right thanks for joining us for another amazing episode and you can also join us next week for yet another one because we're here every friday just for you that's (laughs) right you want some fries with that (laughs) all right until then join us as we teach you that life is good when you nacho thanks for listening to this episode of the nacho kids podcast find us online at nachokids.com Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.